Good evening, Sportsonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Agliolauro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. We're recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. Of course, we are rebroadcast, redistributed through all our various podcasting outlets. So we thank you for joining us no matter how you join us, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Always thank you guys for listening to us. Rate, like, share, subscribe. Do all the things, and we got a good show for you tonight. Folks, we will be joined by Dave Hastings in a matter of moments here. Not going to lie, not exactly a busy sports week, but we still got a lot to talk about tonight. We'll talk some Mets baseball. We'll talk a little bit of basketball. We're obviously in that weird post-finals, pre-draft pre-start of the new NBA uh, league year period. And we already got a little bit of movement going on. Um, Draymond Green declined his player option, so he's going to be a free agent. But obviously, the big story of the last couple of days, it looks like the Washington Wizards, Phoenix Suns, um, are finalizing an agreement that will see Bradley Beal join Kevin Durant. Uh, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton in Phoenix, while Chris Paul will go to the Washington Wizards along with uh, Landry Shamit. Uh, a couple other minor minor players, I believe a couple other minor players are getting uh, shipped to Phoenix. Second round draft picks going to Washington and uh, two or three years where they're able to swap first round draft picks with Phoenix because Phoenix already traded away all the first round draft picks. They were able to trade away in the Kevin Durant deal. So we have that and obviously we'll get into that. And DeAndre Ayton, it is now being rumored and it's been rumored for a while. Um, that he would probably be on the move this coming offseason. Obviously, he was a restricted free agent last offseason. Phoenix wound up matching the offer, but him and Monty Williams never exactly got along. Now you got new ownership, and Monty Williams is no longer there, so it remains to be seen whether or not uh, Monty Williams was the one who had the issue with Aiton or the team itself has soured on him. So we'll find that out this offseason. Um, if he has moved over the next few weeks. And I would imagine he likely will be moved because of the salary cap situation and the fact that uh, Phoenix does need to fill out its roster beyond uh, those three guys. Uh, We have figures, which we'll get into in a little bit here with that. But, um, I mean, Bradley Bills owed like $200 million over the next four seasons. So, obviously, money's got to go somewhere. Um, So, we got that. Still get Dave gets here though, and we get to talk some basketball. We'll talk some Mets. Obviously, when we uh, when we went to air last week, the Mets decline continued, um, and it continued throughout the week after we got off the air here. Um, culminating this weekend, they go into St. Louis to take on the Cardinals. They win the Friday night game. They lose the next two games. Uh, pitching still the issue. 
as always there, as we've talked about, whether it's the starting pitching, not being able to get enough length, whether it's the bullpen as a result, giving up a lead later in the game because guys are trying to go an extra inning or they're having to use guys on back-to-back days or guys in positions that they really shouldn't be in um, as a result of the starters having to leave early. Um, last night they did win the game, and obviously a couple of developments on the, the roster side of things um, over the weekend as – all right, I'll admit I'm wrong here. So uh, I had maintained that I thought that whatever was going to happen with Vientos, he'd be an everyday starter, hopefully by the 15th. Not only is not an everyday starter, he gets sent down to activate Pete Alonzo off the injured list after the wrist injury. I'm under my honest belief is they brought him back too early and he's going to wind up going back and re-injuring himself worse. But they got the win last night, five games under 500. I think they're five and a half out of the last wild card spot, ten and a half out of the division. A lot of teams to leapfrog there. And, uh, yeah, they're in Houston right now. Scherzer actually had his best game of the season last night, went eight innings, and the Mets did very well against Houston. Unfortunately, there's still two games left, so we'll see how that goes. But with that, we welcome in Dave Hastings tonight. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing all right, my friend. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, So obviously, not going to bore you with baseball there. So we will move on to some basketball here. And obviously, you know, like I said, we said this last week, we're in a period between the NBA Finals, end of the NBA Finals, and then you got the draft and the start of the NBA League year, the new league year, only a few weeks away. So we're in kind of a weird time, not too much going on. Two developments over the last couple of days. Draymond Green looks to be declining his player option, making him a free agent. And, of course, you have the trade sending Bradley Beal and a couple fringe roster guys to the Phoenix Suns with Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, a couple other guys couple second-round draft picks and about two or three roster swaps going to Washington. And I'm curious your opinion here because I've always looked at Bradley Beal. Obviously, he's a great scorer, great outside shooter. I don't know if I buy him as the third head of a superstar trio. And then you have Chris Paul going to Washington, and the big rumor is he's going to wind up getting bought out there. What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, (laughs) I think Bradley Beal is a great complimenting piece. I don't think he's a guy that could be the guy on a team. And you you said that uh, kind of perfectly, like, he can go. Yeah well with them um but he's not the guy and you saw it in washington he's not the guy that's going to be able to take over and, and dominate and be that guy but pairing him with scorers like durant and booker he's going to probably see more open shots than he's seen since he was a little kid first learning how to play basketball um true true so 
I think you'll see him overall have a good season. But if you're Phoenix, you need a bench. You need role players. You need other guys than just three, four. You know, I mean, you got Aiton, Durant, Booker, and now Beal. You know, who's your point guard? You know, who who's your sixth man? Like, mm. you got to have at least eight total. You'd like to think that, you, you know, I think that's fair to ask is having eight, got, you know, an eight-man rotation, which when you have that small of a rotation, the odds of injuries just skyrocket. Yeah. You know, like, so I think Washington kind of got hosed in the trade when it came down to what they got in return. Mm. Uh, and then it sounds like they're going to either buy out Chris Paul or trade it, possibly be trading him back to the Clippers, um, which would then, you know, put him back and give him Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, but overall, I, I think <laughs> if you're Phoenix, I, I mean, yeah, you've got three big names and three guys that can score the ball. Durant's without about without a doubt uh, your best you know wing defender, um, but I mean I don't I don't feel like this swings the needle in a positive way or in a real negative way for Phoenix in general. I don't think it brings them any closer to being able to win an NBA championship. Um, and I say that because like. You need more than three guys or four guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I which I guess will bring me to the idea. Okay. Chris Paul is what he is at this point. Obviously, like for the week before this trade was was brought up by uh, Woj Woj we'd been hearing there was a possibility that Phoenix was going to release Chris Paul. Now, obviously, we didn't think they were going to let him go for nothing. But the idea that that was out there, we kind of figured Paul would be on the move. With Beal being the one to come in now, I got the figure right here. The Suns will have $163 million in total salary committed to Booker, Durant, Beal, and Aiton for next season. And the second apron of the luxury tax right now is at $179.5 million. Or excuse me, uh, yeah. So you have that. So I think given everything that has gone on in the last year, the idea of Aiton being moved isn't exactly foreign because as much as, you know, they matched the offer sheet that Indiana had made last year, we had heard about a rift between him and Monty Williams. Now with Monty Williams gone, does that rift extend to the front office? If they wind up moving him to get some flexibility, you have a team that you 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 said the entire time you thought Denver and Phoenix, that was the finals right there. Whoever won that was a good bet to at the very least come out for the Western Conference, win the whole thing. So you have a team that you think of like that. Not only do they give up Chris Paul, who, like I said, at this point, injuries and everything, okay, fine. Giving up Beal. And possibly losing Paul and Aiton in the process to be able to fill out the roster, huh. that's not moving forward. No, it's not. It, like I said, I mean, it, I don't really feel like the trade swings their needle. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. 
Like, I don't think it makes them worse. I don't think it makes them better. I think you basically are like, okay, yeah, we're about just as good. But again, I think their their biggest issue is going to be lack of depth, a limited rotation, which in turn increases the odds um, of injury. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean... And we've seen Durant's uh, lack of an ability to stay healthy. We've seen Booker. I mean, for the most part, Booker's been able to stay healthy, but still. Um, it, it's not, like I said, it just it just doesn't swing the needle in, in any direction for me. And, and I think it's one of those things that in the long run, they'll probably end up regretting. And Washington will probably regret too because they got shit for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it really doesn't do much. I I think what has a bigger impact is the potential of Chris Paul going back to the Clippers. And if that team's able to stay healthy, what kind of noise they'll be able to make in the Western Conference? Because Chris Paul hasn't been completely healthy in the last four or five years. Paul George, I don't think, has been healthy in the last three or four years. Kawhi yeah. Leonard, we know how little he's played over the last couple of years. So there, there's really nothing at all uh, to make you overly high on the Clippers, but that's a team, if they can stay healthy and they get Chris Paul, could, you know, could do damage in the Western Conference. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it, it's a trade that for the names that are involved is – kind of disappointing when it comes down to swinging the pendulum of what could happen in the Western Conference. Yeah, I'll be honest. For the reasons you just mentioned, the idea of Chris Paul going to the Lakers, I think it's one of those things that sound good on paper, but it isn't really going to amount to anything for the injury reason. So I, 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 I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. If you're Washington, besides salary and obviously the, the fact that they're not competing for anything next year. I mean, listen, we live in, the wor- in a world where if you trade for a guy and you're a team that isn't competing for anything, you're expected to release the guy. So I get that. Any benefit to Washington if they actually kept him? Um, the only reason I say no is because they're trying to get younger and they're trying to compete, you know? So I think it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think they want to keep them just because they're, they're trying to just make that, you know, movement to the young team and try to start building up through the draft and, you know, free agency and trying to put things together. Hmm. Yeah. Figured I'd ask on that. All right. And then, like I said, basically the, the only other thing in terms of movement, Draymond Green does wind up exercising his out clause uh, in his contract, his player option there. We've kind of, with the way this season went, we kind of seen the writing on the wall in terms of the Warriors split up. Obviously, the general manager has stepped down within the last month. I believe it's Mike Dunley Jr. taking over in his place. Is this the first domino in the dismantling of that team? 
that's the thing. I don't know if we, if you're even going to see, you know, Green could return to Golden State, right? Like, just because he's declining his player option, it's more because he wants to make sure he can get one more long-term deal. And yeah. and that's that's more what that move is. Now, is Golden State going to be willing to give him that? That's a little bit of a different conversation, and I don't know if they're going to be willing to do so. So that remains to be seen. Um I also think, you know, it's one of those things to that you look at and you just got to think to yourself, like, okay, like, does Draymond have, like, to me, Draymond's not the guy that makes the difference between you being a non-playoff team to a championship team. Um, I do think Draymond could be the difference between being a non-playoff team and a playoff team. But I don't. He doesn't swing the needle enough for me that I think he would put you into the finals. Um, if you put him on a team that's already a playoff team, um, and, and he's a fit, like you know, you look at like a, an Atlanta, um, you look at like a Milwaukee, you know, being like you know, Milwaukee for an example, right? Like he would take a lot of pressure off of Giannis and having to play on you know play down by the box and and battle for rebounds and and play defense against the bigger guys so he you know he could relieve some of that stress um you look at a team like Miami he could be he, mentally and the way he approaches the game he could be a great fit for a team like Miami but you know it, it's a matter of the right fit and for him the price tag right like does he care more about just getting paid or does he want to go win another ring because if he wants to win another ring his best bet's probably staying in golden state or taking less money and going to another team that would be considered a contender so that that one's going to be interesting i mean there's some pretty big name uh, players that turned down their player options this year um of guys that could you know have a positive impact on a team so you know, I know um, Kuzma opted out. Van Fleet was a big one. Um, Kuzma. Kuzma, yeah. Like, like it, it, there's some names out there. I'm trying to look it up now, but, you know, Google's going to Google. Um, <laughs> and I'm, trying to, I'm trying to look it up myself. Yeah, like from what I'm saying, like everything that's popping up for me right now is showing like 2021, 2022. So yeah, you got Kuzma, you got Draymond Green, um, Fred Van Van Vliet. um, Trying to see if I can find any other names. Uh, Harden is. to be determined. Middleton's to be determined. Porzingis is to be determined. Josh Hart, Bruce Brown, Jordan Clarkson, Dante DiVincenzo, Horton Tucker. So those are the names that I just found on the CBS uh, sports tracker. So there's still some names to make decisions. Uh, But yeah, I, I think Draymond Green's a guy that he has to be put into the right fit. And I don't know if there's many teams out there that would be considered the right fit that can afford to pay him what he wants to get paid. So I, I think that's really where you're going to see a, a disconnect. And he could potentially be arguably the last one 
to sign a new contract out of those guys. Okay. So. Yeah. Um, well, of those, which would you think, uh, who's most likely to go to a different team? I think I think Van Vliet uh, is going to definitely end up somewhere different. Um, I think Draymond Green probably stays in Golden State. Kuzma probably ends up somewhere different. Um, I think Harden ends up somewhere different. I think he ends up declining his option. And the other guys, I can't say I, I that I have any idea, but the, I think if I if I if I'm green, I'm I'm resigning with Golden State. I mean, I like if you want to win, I think that's the move you make. If you want to get paid, then you go to whoever offers you the most amount of money. Mm. Absolutely. Hey, on that one, um, I'm gonna. I, I want to switch to uh, some of the Knicks stuff I've been hearing because I'm curious your take here on this. And obviously, I know you probably want to bring up whatever's going on with your Bulls too. There, the Knicks are an interesting team because I know. The idea of Randall getting traded is on the table. Uh, I know a couple different names. I think we talked about Lillard last week in terms of people they uh, were getting. I've heard Kuzma talked about as someone maybe they go after. Who do you see the Knicks going after this offseason? I mean, if I'm the Knicks, I'm really more hoping Barrett continues to grow and gets better. Um like I think the Knicks got like I I'm trying to hold on to Toppin, um, mm. like I, like if I'm the Knicks, I'm kind of trying to hold on to to what they've got. Like I, I and then mm. hopefully nail your draft pick. But from what I've heard, the biggest thing is the guy they want to draft would basically be the guy that would replace, uh, you know. Uh, would be the guy that would replace Toppin. So I don't know what move they <laughs> rather make. So you're replacing Toppin, who you basically Thibodeau does not correct me if I'm wrong here. It seems like Thibodeau doesn't really give him a lot of playing time while Randall is healthy. No, he really doesn't. Uh, yeah. I, I think he like defensively and on the boards, uh, it surprises me because he's kind of right up the alley of the guys that, uh, you know, Thibodeau likes. He kind of has that uh, Joakim Noah type of style to his play. Um, I don't know if he – I don't think he has the same impact that Noah ha- had for um, for uh, Tibbs, but I think he kind of fits that mold of, you know, aggressive on defense, good rebounder, and, and a guy that could give you some solid minutes, but – I don't know if it's how he practices or what, but it definitely just doesn't seem like a guy that he wants to give a lot of playing time, which does surprise me. Yeah, I know. It does seem like he's had a big reluctance to play topping here. Matter of fact, before you said the thing about who they were thinking of drafting, my attitude going into this offseason is I wouldn't be surprised if this is the time where they make the decision on how much they believe in Toppin. Are you going to keep them and tr- maybe look to move Randall, or are you going to look to move Topping and keep Randall? I feel like that, that's that's what I would have thought the op- uh, the conversation would have been at this offseason. Yeah, I mean, 
I think that's the interesting part, right? Like, and, and like, do you take a guy that's proven he could play and, and be a reliable role player in, um, in the NBA, or are you going to take a young rook that maybe you can develop? But I don't think they're getting rid of uh, Randall unless they get blown away by a trade trade option, and I don't think anybody's going to offer them what would blow them away. So. Mm-hmm. I think you're kind. Of, I, I think they're kind of stuck with Randall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that contract. I, I can kind of see that they would eat, have to eat some money or give up some asset they wouldn't want to. So I get that. It's kind. Of, it's it's just kind of crazy though that Topping at this point still hasn't been able to uh, establish himself, unless Randall's there, and even then it's kind of, you know, a touch and go. Do you have anything else basketball? Why? What's going on with your Bulls there, Dave? Uh, I mean, the biggest stuff I'm hearing is that they're, you know, trying to see what trade packages are out there for Zach Levine. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. You find a good one, you know, you got to take it, right? But you got to find that good one. And from everything I've seen, none of it is – mind-blowing none of it is moving the you know i keep i feel like this is my phrase of the day moving the needle um but i also think that there's more value in trading levine than there is derozan because of age um and i think that's what kind of has them tied to the idea of potentially trading uh zach but i personally I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know how you fix Big, Chicago's biggest problem is they don't have a point guard. When you know, when when uh, Ball was healthy, they were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Like, they were one of the better teams in the East and competing with some of the best teams overall in the league. Um, where once they lost him and couldn't find. A, re- a solid replacement for him that they just kind of got stuck in the mu- stuck in the mud for lack of a uh, lack of a better phrase mm. and that part is the disappointing part so you know is a guy like fred van vliet a good fit can he run the point for that team possibly but i mean the knicks saw this year the difference in having a solid point guard on your team and what that can do um, you know, the, the point guard is your, you know, quarterback in the NBA. Uh, they're not, you know, they're not all the highest paid player, but they, they can tr- run your offense. They keep everybody organized on the same spot. And it, it's really one of those things to me that if they can keep this crew together and find a reliable, good point guard, then keep this team together and get that point guard. But if they don't think they can do that and they want to do a rebuild, then you might as well. Because when it's really all said and done, you're either competing for a title or you're wasting your time. Hmm. That's very true. Let me ask you something, though. I, I have seen things throughout the season, and I've brought them up to you on a couple of occasions. Is there a rift between Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan? Honestly, what I've heard, as far as I understand now, uh, from what I've heard them say and, you know, the the beat writers and, you know, Bulls 
uh, reporters I follow, none of them, none of them come out making it sound like there's an actual issue between the two of them. I feel like that's more of an ESPN headline. Ah, okay. Fair enough there. Well, I mean, that's good because if there was a riff and they'd have to choose between them, that would, that would be a big problem. So good for you on that. All right. Um, did you have anything else basketball wise you want to bring up today? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, you got the draft on, on Thursday, but I can't sit here and act like I know enough about the players coming out to talk high level on that. So, um, I'm not going to sit here and try to do uh, Well, I mean, you're one ahead of me because I didn't even remember that it was this Thursday that the draft was. I guess it is the last Thursday in uh, June. I just didn't realize that that was this week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I, I mean, there's other rumors out there. Like, there's rumors that Zion Williams, uh, Williams gets uh, traded. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to say this, and I'm apologizing for cut, cutting you off there, because Zion, I've seen the things that the Knicks could go after Zion, all that stuff. I don't want him. I don't want him. You look at how that 2019 offseason went for the Knicks. Everybody wanted Durant. Everybody wanted Kyrie. Everybody wanted uh, Zion. Look how things have gone since that offseason. We've seen how it's gone for Durant and Kyrie. With Zion, uh, I, I'm sure, listen, dude's talented as all hell and everything. Uh, to me, it's just going to be an albatross and go completely south if he comes to New York. Yeah, I mean, his biggest issues have been injury, really. Like, I mean, when he's on the mm. court, it's a walking highlight reel, but he can't stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, I think the other thing is, is like, so my buddy sent um, – he, he's a big Woj fan, and one of the – oh, this was from Jason Peterson. I don't know who he's with, but um, three-team deal with the Pelicans, Blazers, Hornets – Hornets move back a spot, take Miller, who is coming out this year in the draft, and get an additional pick. Pelicans get the second pick and take Scoot. I don't know who that is. And then the Blazers get Zion to run with Damian Lillard to keep Lillard in Portland. So, who is the third team in that? I'm sorry. You got Pelicans, Blazers, and Hornets. Ah, okay. Zion in Portland with Damian. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I, any team who takes him, I would just be worried about him being motivated and him being healthy. Those are the big things. And I could see him coming to New York and completely shitting the bed. I can only wonder what he would do in a city like Portland. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the New Yorks and L.A.s are a good spot for him. Uh, I think he could handle a mid-sized market. I don't know if about, like, New York, L.A., Chicago, Miami. Um, like, I don't know about those markets, but, I mean, some of the more mid-sized markets, like a Portland, um, maybe could make sense. I mean, the Blazers have to do something or Damian Lillard's going to freak the fuck out. <laughs> and rightfully right? so. That man's given them their, their his entire career. He's been a top 10 player in the league for at least five or six years now. And they can't even make the fucking playoffs. Like, they have to do something for that guy before he just completely loses his shit. Yep. 
No, I agree. Yeah. I just don't know if Zion would be the one that I would make if I was the Portland GM, but I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, we can move off of that. Um, Football-wise, not too much football going on. I don't know if you got any notes from Cowboy Camp over there, but everything I've heard discussion-wise seems kind of focused on the offensive line. I know you got Tyron Smith coming back. You got the uh, the other Smith that they drafted last year. You still got the center in uh, – how do you pronounce the name? Is it Biadaz? Yeah, it's close enough. Okay. All right. So you got him. You still got Zach Martin, the Stallworth. And I guess the debate is where to play Terrence Steele this year. I, I mean, me personally, I don't think there should be any debate at all. Terrence Steele should be the starting right tackle. Okay. And what What is it? Uh, so Smith would go to left guard and your tackles are Martin and Tyron Smith? So your tackles would be Tyron Smith and uh, Terrence Steele. Okay. Yeah. Then you have Tyler Smith and Zach Martin as your guards and Biadaz as your center. Hmm. And, I mean, the kid at center is playing really good, and he's in a contract year, so you gotta got to expect him to have a good year. Um, and then you look at, like, the biggest problem, I think, if you're the Cowboys, is how long can you expect Tyron Smith to stay healthy? Yeah. Like, I really feel like that's – it boils down to that and that alone. Like, I really don't think there's much else to it. So, um, you know, with that being the case, how long can he stay healthy? If he can stay healthy, then they've got one of the best offensive lines in the league. If he can't stay healthy, then we know – then you got to shuffle things around and you end up in the same spot you've been in for how many years. So I think it really just boils down to that and how that all unfolds. That'll determine, you know, how good that offensive line is. But I mean, if they can, if he can stay healthy, then by all means, you're in a really good spot when it comes down to an offensive line. Certainly hope so. I don't know. The only other thing I saw football wise, if you got anything else, feel free. I saw something earlier today. Obviously we talked about Dalvin cook getting released last week. DeAndre Hopkins getting released um, about a month ago there. So they're out there. Apparently, they've been talking about where they would want to play. So now the speculation is that they may team up. I mean, it seems like a lot of teams aren't exactly finding cap space for one of them. And now someone's going to wind up bringing in both of them. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably not your dream scenario. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah so i don't know how likely how uh, scale of one to ten how likely do you think that one would be um i probably wouldn't go past like a a five Mm. i mean it's hard it's hard to get everything to put like not hard the n b the nfl gms make it hard to put together you know, a whole bunch of big name players, no matter where they're at in their prime. Mm. Yeah, I agree. All right. Did you have anything else football wise you want to bring up tonight? Um, so the NFL is bringing back their supplemental draft. I did see that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that'll be interesting to see. They're doing, they're supposed to do it like a week, like the week, 
that training camp starts. Um, but like, it's still one of those things where, like, I never really understood how the supplemental draft worked. Like, is it guys you get to put in your back pocket and practice squad or like? Basically, I- the the way I understand it works is if you pick a guy. Say you pick like what Josh Gordon, if I'm not mistaken, was a third round supplemental pick. So when the Browns took him, they forfeited their third round draft pick in the following year's draft. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I I don't like, I, I don't know how much that really truly means on the impact of the roster this year. Right. Like, Mm Mm-hmm that really have much of an impact so gotta just kind of wait and see i guess you say but i mean they want i guess they wanted to bring it back and there was enough enthusiasm to bring it back so they brought it back Mm -hmm. yeah i mean every now and then there's a big name that winds up going in the supplemental draft i compare it to the uh, major league baseball's rule five uh draft now, the Rule 5 draft happens in the offseason. It happens at the winter meetings in December every year. And basically, if you take a guy in the Rule 5, you have to keep him on your major league roster for an entire season. Most Rule 5 draft picks don't amount to nothing. But I'm going to say two names that were Rule 5 draft picks that I guarantee you know. Johan Santana went to the Minnesota Twins, I believe from the Chicago Cubs organization in the early 2000s. And Roberto Clemente went to the Pittsburgh Pirates from the Los Angeles Dodgers organization, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, those are uh, some pretty well-known names and uh, pretty respected names as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, uh, from what I know, you don't have quite the star power in the supplemental draft, but I do know Bernie Kosar went to the Browns in the supplemental draft. Josh Gordon, as we already said, Terrell Pryor. Basically, it's guys who are declared ineligible for the actual draft for some reason. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I, that's probably not that big of a news story, I think, unless you're like a real deep, deep, long-term thinking NFL fan. And God knows there's not many of them because we're all like, well, what, what, what do you, what can you do for me right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So, anything else? Uh, no, that's really all I got. <laughs> all right. Well, I doubt you want me uh, to listen to me bitch about the Mets for the next 20 minutes. I could definitely do that if you want me to, but I kind of figure you don't. So, uh, did you have anything else sports-related you wanted to bring up tonight? Uh, no, kind of a quiet week for us, my friend. <laughs> All right. I normally don't do this, but um, I want to bring this up to you, if for no other reason, to acknowledge that this has been happening for better part of the last nine months, because it's a fascinating story. And I told you a little bit. I told you the 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 brief overview when we were uh, texting earlier today. So when's the last time you would say you watched anything pro wrestling related, Dave? Uh, maybe 25 years ago. Okay. So, obviously, biggest game of down, WWE, 
wrestling wise. And I apologize for bringing this up here, but like I said, I I believe this bears some sort of mentioning here. AEW is a wrestling company that started about four years ago. It's been on TNT. It was started by a lot of indie guys and the son of Shad Khan, who is the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and has been for the last 15 years. Dave, if I tell you that the anyone connected to the ownership group of the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to start a sports entertainment related company. They also own a soccer team over in Europe, which hasn't exactly done very good since uh, they purchased it. You hear they're going to start, like I said, something related sports and entertainment. What's your initial thoughts when you hear that? Um, that it probably isn't going to go too well. Mm. Very well said. Yes. So the company started with a bunch of indie guys and Tony Khan as the owner of AEW. As I said, he's the son of Shad Khan. And two years in, they signed CM Punk to come back, who had been a big star for WWE in the mid to late um, 2000s decade, early 2010s. Walked out of the company under uh, controversial circumstances in 2014. Had an MMA uh, foray in the mid to late 2000s. Their two matches didn't do very good. Brought back uh, in August of 2001 to one of the loudest ovations I've ever heard out of a pro wrestling television show. And, you know, I used to be a big wrestling fan. Um, in Labor Day. Of 2022, he gave a press conference after a pay-per-view where he eviscerated three of the indie guys who became EVPs with this company and someone who basically only got his job because he was a friend of theirs, uh, pro wrestler, lit into everybody under the sun with Tony Khan sitting right next to him. And CM Punk has been off of TV ever since this event. He suffered an injury during that pay-per-view before this, but the bigger story that AEW has yet to acknowledge on their television is that a giant brawl happened after the press conference as a result of what CM Punk did. And basically the only person who suffered any punishment out of this was CM Punk. He made his return this past week and gave a promo addressing a lot of things without necessarily talking about it. Now, the way I should have started this whole thing off is back in the day, before our time, wrestling used to be a lot more reality-based than it is now. A lot more real-to-life storylines during the days that are referred to as the territory days, which is basically before Vince McMahon took the WWE and made it a national and global enterprise. Jerry Jarrett, who was the uh, person who ran the Memphis territory, and to give you some context on the Memphis territory, you've seen the movie Man on the Moon played by Jim uh, uh, with Jim Carrey, right? Once, and it was a long time ago. So okay. if you need to reference it, I may not be any help. You get uh, Jim Carrey played Andy Kaufman, who was a television star on Taxi, uh, comic, who decided he was going to make himself the intergender wrestling champion and wrestle women. And he had a feud in the early 80s 
with Jerry Lawler. I bring this up because that was the Memphis territory. You remember this? Sounds vaguely familiar. Okay. All right. So the point I was making is it was a pretty big territory. Jerry Jarrett, like I said, uh, the guy who ran the territory, had a very basic saying, personal issues draw money. Dave, if you ever get a chance, you really should watch this press conference because it's really amazing because before the pay-per-view, there were a lot of things in the wrestling dirt sheets, as they are called, uh, rumors about... Um, how do I put this? Rumors about um, CM Punk possibly getting a wrestler fired, which wound up not sitting well with the camp of the aforementioned EVPs and this one, their friend by the name of Fangman Page, who went off script in a promo, uh, live t television promo a week before pay-per-view. Now, Dave, I, I know you've never been a big follower of wrestling there. But you, you understand wrestling is a lot of cooperation between guys and a lot of trust involved. If one person breaks that trust in a promo, how do you get the idea? How do you know that guy's not going to start taking liberties in the middle of the match where you're exposed? You go into a match where you feel like you have an agreement with the person there on what they're going to do and what they're not going to do. And you can't trust that person to keep his word. You get what that means, right? Yeah, I mean, that doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. Okay. So this supposedly had happened previous. And we didn't really know about the, the idea that Hangman Page went off the script until this press conference where Punk put all the reasons that Hangman Page supposedly went into business for himself, as the expression goes, uh, and his reaction to that. His biggest frustration was that nothing was done about it. So after he lit in everybody, calling uh, Hangman Page an empty-headed dumb fuck and referring to EVPs who couldn't manage a target and giving birth to the classic line, I'm old, I'm tired, I'm hurt, and I work with fucking children. Still my favorite line that's ever been said at a press conference. After all this, we still don't quite know what happened in that locker room to this point. But what, what is known is there was a brawl and the EVPs, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega were off TV for six weeks. And like I said, Punk never returned to television till this past Saturday. He did suffer a tricep injury in the match. During the course of time between the all-out brawl which now referred to as brawl out i should say and this past saturday a number of stories have been leaked through the wrestling media very favorable to the side of the evps and this is where we get to kind of the interesting part here because at the beginning of this i asked you what you would think about the ownership of the jacksonville jaguars running a business like this by all accounts, Tony Khan is a nice guy, but Tony Khan has gotten a reputation for trying to be friends with the wrestlers. Now, Dave, you've been in you've been in management situations before, or at least seen management situations before. What's one of the worst things you can do as a boss if you're trying to run a business and um, manage people? Can't be their friends. 
Yeah. Okay. So he's a guy who's trying to be friends with the wrestlers. And not only that, but you have the wrestling media trying to cozy up to Tony Khan. And Tony Khan, from all reports, really only caters to wrestling media who he feels are going to be favorable to him. And these guys have kind of manipulated certain people in the wrestling media to the point where the only story that really gets out most of the time is what they want. Guys like the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, you might be familiar with the name Chris Jericho. They all feed stuff to the wrestling media that they want to get out. And the punk side has been fairly silent, which will bring me back to the phrase personal issues draw money for years in the wrestling business. If something like this would have happened, they would have built it to a big angle. There would have been a big event and everybody would have been able to make some money off of it. But you have one side it's not the CM Punk side that is basically refusing to turn this into a, a money drawing big dollar match, big money match. They don't want to do it because now they're supposedly worried that CM Punk is going to be unprofessional. Well, on Friday, and I'm cutting, I'm cutting a lot of stuff out if you find that hard, uh, if you can believe that. Friday, before Punk was to uh, make his return on Dynamite, he had done an uh, interview with ESPN that was released, like I said, the day before. And in that interview, he basically gave his side of the story for a lot of things, which has kind of been missing from this equation through the last few months. Recapped what he felt about the Hangman Page situation. And basically said that since the brawl, he has tried to reach out to these EVPs to see if they could put their personal differences aside and turn this into something that would make a lot of money and be beneficial for the company. Now, I should mention, in the time that CM Punk has been out, the ratings for AEW have gradually gone down over the last five months. He was a guy, when he was on the show, you'd guarantee get a million people. Nowadays, AEW can barely get over 800,000 people. So that bears mentioning there. He's mentioned that he's tried to reach out and been told through lawyers, do not talk to these people. Do not try to reach out to these people. And still, the initial situation was never taken care of. Because in Tony Khan, you have a guy who, like I said, would rather be friends than do what's best for his company right now. So you hear all this. What are your initial thoughts? Um, that it sounds really stupid. <laughs> I, it is. I, I wish I had more to give you, Mike, but that's what happened. <laughs> basically sounds really dumb. Well, let me see if I could turn this into something here. Well, here's here's my old thing. The reason why I think this is kind of fascinating is listen i've been a guy who's from from when i was a kid i always liked professional wrestling and when aw came back it was something that i hope would made me want to watch this again having watched loosely their what they've put on television the last four years i can tell you some of the best stuff they've done involved cm punk and just to watch a situation where you have the solution 
to, to becoming a company that can actually compete on a national stage and you're just not willing to put people in their place who need to be put in their place. I, I don't know. I just look at the way the whole thing is unfolding and it just kind of, it just kind of, it kind of sticks with me a little bit there. And I urge you, if you have 20 minutes at some point, find the video of that press conference because you're going to laugh your ass off. Uh, I will, I will try to find <laughs> for you, my friend. All right. Okay. I think uh, with that, We'll move on here. And Saturday night's debut of Collision was actually really good. I will say that. Um, pop culture-wise, you're looking forward to Secret Invasion tomorrow. Uh, I am, but I feel like not watching Guardians beforehand could really kind of ruin the timeline experience. But I don't know that for <laughs> a fact. I just, um, I'm guessing if they're trying to keep their coherent um timeline moving in the direction they want to move it i don't know if that'll have any impact on me um so i may wait i may wait a week or two let it let it let a couple episodes air and then start streaming it so i can you know also have the opportunity to binge watch it um but that all remains to be seen Mm. yeah right now i'm Right now, I'm wa- the only thing I'm watching consistently is uh, with the girlfriend. I'm watching the final season of uh, Manifest. Oh, I think I've heard of that show. Five seasons or something, right? So they did three seasons on cable, and mm. the cable series left you with such a cliffhanger that the cult following that it had... Um, was enough that Netflix picked it up and did two more seasons. Mm. So they, uh, they just released the second of the two more seasons to wrap up the story. Okay. How is it? Well, I mean, you, you, you've obviously been through the entire season. You're up to the final season. Is it a good show? Cause I feel like when that went to Netflix, I didn't hear great things about how it came back in that fourth season. Um, so I have no problem with what Netflix did. What I had a problem with was that, like, about halfway through the second season, it went from this, like, mysterious drama, all the, you know, what the hell's going on, you know, questions to a very much more of a religious drama. And I'm look, don't get me wrong. I'm a religious man. I have my faith. I believe what I believe. I think everybody else has the right to believe what they want to believe. But watching a television show that, you know, drastically dives into faith and and all these things, just, it's not, you know, for how they started the show to go into that really just kind of, kind of took away a little bit of it for me. Mm. I I don't hate it. Uh, I'm still watching it because I am in, I enjoy it. I want to see where they take because the, oh, the underlying story itself is interesting. But like, it definitely did get kind of just a little too too much on the religious side and a little less on the went a little too far away from like almost like the sci-fi like concept that they kind of originally started with, which. If you watch the show, isn't overly surprising, but mm. they, they also didn't have to do it to keep the show entertaining. I get you. Yeah. 
And I, I actually am surprised to hear you say that because I didn't even know it was a, a religious drama. That's that's funny to me. That's not what I would have expected it to be. But I could see how that would be. Um, well, like, do you know the basic concept of the show? I mean, I could tell you that without ruining anything just in case you watched it. I feel like I, I heard it. I feel like I heard it at one point. But honestly, I can't remember what it was now. Basically, this, you know, this group of people were on a flight home from Jamaica or some, you know, island destination. And there was, for the people on the plane, there was a lot of turbulence, a lot of shaking. Shaking ended, they land. To everybody else in the world, the plane disappeared for five years. Right. Oh, I remember that now. Yeah, so, yeah. like, cool little concept, and then they, you know, the people start, you know, people on the, that were on the flight start hearing, like, these voices and start having these visions of things that they have to do that end up saving people's lives or doing these amazing things, and you're like, all right, cool, and then, like, it turns into, like, oh, they're messages from God, and, and you got to keep faith, and, like, it just... Uh, again, I didn't mind the initial dip, you know, dipping of the toe in the religion side, but it just it it got real heavy. And if you're not a really like, especially if you're like an atheist and you're you watching the show, you probably wouldn't make it out of the second season. <laughs> like, OK, like this is just insane. If you're mm. heavy, if you're a hardcore believer, he'd be like, ah, it's the second coming. Like, so it's and I'm not a hardcore believer. I have my faith and I I it's gotten me through a lot of hard times and you know i thank god every time a good thing happens in my life and i pray when bad things are happening for help and strength but it it goes really really heavy and it just kind of it, it i feel like it kind of took away from what they could have did with the show so mm. i'm still intrigued i got me and her got four episodes left we watch about an, maybe two or three episodes a week um so we got like four episodes left so probably should probably be done with it by the next show we'll see but mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, my my next goal is to get her to watch the mcu with me in timeline order so i'm gonna see <laughs> if I can talk her into that mm. i tell you the one thing i've always wanted to do with you guys i've said it before it's never gonna happen but it would be fucking great if it did Group rewatch of The Wire, and we do season by season. It would be fantastic. You guys would never do it, but. Uh, what's funny is me and her one night decided to put on The Wire, and the problem was put it on at like 11.45, and we got 20 minutes in, and we both started falling asleep on the couch. Yeah, that makes sense. But it wasn't to do with the show. It was just we had a long – it was a Saturday night. We had a long day of running around and doing things. And I was like, well, my buddy Mike said this show is well worth watching. So she's like, all right, let's put it on. And like within 20 minutes, like neither one of us could actually give it the attention it deserves to give a series a chance. And mm. no knock on the show. It was just simply we were just we were just too tired to actually commit to watching a, a, a started series at that point. Mm. It's not boogie. That's what you got to say. Maybe. I don't even remember. I remember seeing the the dad from suits um which is also on netflix now if you've never seen suits that's that's arguably one of my favorite shows of all time hey man you're talking about like melty no the white guy suit. oh 
Um, no, no, no. Just, I'm saying uh, the, the guy who you saw in suit. Was it the guy playing McNulty? I believe his name is Dominic West. The black gentleman. Is oh. That the, the guy that uh, – the one thing I've seen about it, he always says damn or something like that from – he has like a catchphrase that people always joke about even That's to this. not – I know who you're talking about. That's not him though. You're thinking about shit, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. guy. I that's mean, Clay. That's Clay Davis. You actually meet him later in the show. Yeah, he was. I don't know. There was some crime scene. They were talking for a mm-hmm. minute. By that point, I feel. I, I feel. I feel like you're talking about Bunk. Bunk. Like I couldn't tell you a damn person's name, and that's oh. just due to the fact that I was half asleep. Black guy with a cigar, kind of chubby, right? Yeah. Yep, that's Bunk. Yep. I didn't know he was on Suits though. He gets around though. He's been in a lot of shit. Well, all I can tell you is that like him in suits, he's one of the more like he is a badass character. Like, just, yeah, like yeah, he's a lawyer. Uh, like the whole show bases is based around lawyers and. I've I've heard of it. I've actually seen some clips of that show online. I, I it seems like a decent show. Oh, it's a great show. I, I love that show. Uh, I mean, yeah. it, and I felt, I mean, I fell for it because the main character has uh, an identic memory. So once he reads something, he can't forget it. Yeah. And like, he basically was trying to do a weed sale and it was a, a undercover bust. And he happened to realize that, you know, these guys in the hallway were cops. So he like dipped into this room where they were conducting interviews for the law firm and you had to be a Harvard grad. He impressed Harvey Specter, who is one of the most badass characters I've ever seen. Mm. And, um, yeah, it, it goes off and running from there. So, but that's on Netflix. If you're looking for some uh, interesting to watch, each episode's about 45, 50 minutes. Mm. Yeah, I have. I, I've actually that scene pops up on YouTube every now and then. The, the scene you're talking about where he. Uh, what he tells Harvey to read a page out of the um, the Harvard whatever manual it is or whatever, and he finishes his sentence out of the uh, the the whatever they have to study to yeah. pass the bar, whatever that yeah. book's called. Yeah, yeah. So I have seen that. Yeah, Dev- Wendell Pierce is the actor's name. He played Robert Zane in zo- in Suits. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And- his daughter is now the princess in, in in real life. She's the one that married uh, Prince Harry or Prince whatever his name. I think it's Harry. Oh, I didn't. Okay, so he he plays the father of Meghan Markle's character. Yep. Ah, okay. All right. Well, I'm telling you right now, if you liked him in that show, The Wire is the best role he's ever had. Bunk Morley, he does that cool fucking guy i would expect you to say nothing less mike <laughs> yeah now he's he's great like i've talked up omar on this show and he's definitely my favorite character on this show but bunk is up there um the the guy i told you about a couple weeks ago clark johnston's character uh gus he's one of my favorites um mcnulty who you saw in the um the little bit that you got to see He's great. There's a couple other really good characters and just a lot of actors you, you would know. 
Like, I know this is like a month or two late. Lance Reddick, who you know from the John Wick movies, he plays the concierge guy. He died about a month ago, month or two ago. Rest in peace to Lance Reddick. Gotcha. Well, at some point, I'll get to it. <laughs> the way that started, though, like I said, I would love to do a sports zone rewatch. And we'd start with the wire. We do a season at the, at a time. That would be fantastic. All right. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to bring up tonight, sir? Uh, my friend, I think I am good. All right. Well, I think that will do it for us here tonight. So thank you, everybody, for listening to us on all the various podcasting feeds. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Bullhorn, Rate. Like, share, subscribe, do all the things, and we'll get out of here for tonight. Let's do the final thoughts. Dave Hastings. Always a pleasure, my friend, and uh, yeah, until next week. Until next week, sir, yes, and I am Mike Aglialoro. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see y'all next week.